Hi, I'm Ivalice Page, and thanks for listening to the Believe Big Podcast, the show where we take a deep dive into your healing with health experts, integrative practitioners, biblical faith leaders, and cancer thrivers from around the globe. Welcome to today's episode on the Believe Big Podcast. My name is Ivalice Page, and I am so honored to be able to spend this time with you. Earth to Table and Regenerative Farming, that is what we're going to be discussing today with our friends, Farmer Jones and Dr. Sapola with the Chef's Garden. The Chef's Garden has been delivering quality, flavor, and nutrition direct from their farm to the world's most discriminating chefs for nearly 30 years. They are dedicated to growing vegetables slowly and gently in full accord with nature. Farmer Lee Jones is committed to rediscovering, saving, and telling the stories of the unique heirloom products that are grown on the farm. He is an in-demand speaker, an expert in sustainable agriculture, and has presented at national and international conferences. Dr. Amy Sapola is the Director of Pharmacy, F-A-R-M, Pharmacy at the Chef's Garden, and also a doctor of pharmacy. One of her primary goals for the farmer is to become part of the health and wellness team, and I could not agree more. Welcome, Farmer Jones and Dr. Amy, to the show. Thank you for having us. So excited to be on with you, Eva Lee. This is awesome. Aww. Can you both share with us one of your favorite health tips? We always start the show with a health tip. So what what are your favorite? The first thing that came to mind for me is eat the rainbow. I think that's something that our farm really embraces. We grow 600, 800 different varieties of vegetables or types of vegetables. And so to think of that and the diversity that comes along with it, we know that phytonutrients are flavor. They're the taste. And they're the scent. So they're really what makes vegetables taste delicious. Plus phytonutrients give us the health benefits, the antioxidant benefits, the anti-inflammatory benefits. So by having a wide diversity in the colors that you're eating, you're actually getting so many different phytonutrients, which are really beneficial for health. I love that. And I can't believe how many vegetables do you grow on the farm? So 600, 800 different varieties. Some of those could be microgreens or edible flowers or herbs. Wow. Incredible. How about you, Farmer Jones? For 40 years, we've been growing for chefs and they told us they wanted the best flavor they could possibly get. And dad really suspected that as we were working towards natural flavor, that we were probably bringing the nutritional levels up. And of course, we have a lab on the farm now where we're testing for those from nutrient density, nitrate oxides, and many other things. It's unbelievable the testing they're doing. But one of the things we found is that the salad sensations is a product that's grown in a microgreen stage, which is about an inch and a half to two inches grown in soil, not hydroponically. And it's testing between 150 to 300 times higher than the USDA average. I'm not a diet guy. I'm a big guy. My brother's a big guy. We like to eat. Take your favorite sandwich. And I love to take our salad sensation. We always have a package in the fridge at home, and I'll take a nice handful of that. Whatever I'm eating and put a handful of that salad sensation on with my favorite sandwich and get some of those greens into my system. And it really does show up in the numbers and the way you feel with the way I feel personally every single day. So 
sound sensations on everything. I think you bring up a really good point. Yeah, that's the microgreens. And that's really what makes up the salad sensation is our microgreens. And we know gram for gram, microgreens are more nutrient dense than their full grown counterparts. And so by having those microgreens, like Farmer said, you can incorporate them into anything. My kids like them on pizza. They like them in tacos. They're really versatile, but they're a nice way to kind of sneak in that extra dose of vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. I see a lot of women that are like trying to get their husbands to eat a little bit healthier. And I tell them, make his favorite sandwich. He won't even notice it. Just get it in his diet. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's very easy to do. And I can attest, I've received your boxes of produce and they're amazing. I can honestly say it's the best tasting that I've had. I go to local farmers markets, but the nutrient value, like you were saying, with what you grow is incredible, which really had me curious about what you do on your farm and regenerative farming. And we're hearing a lot about it. But for those who are unfamiliar with regenerative farming, can you share with us what that means? It is so exciting. 10 years ago, any food magazine, any Women's Day magazine, any men's magazine, you didn't hear anything about regenerative agriculture. And it seems like today you cannot get a magazine that doesn't have that in it. And so it's so exciting to see that it's finally reaching mainstream awareness. If nobody does anything else today other than watch Kiss the Ground, it's a documentary that really talks about the way that we've been farming with monoculture. And look, the reality is American farmers are very efficient. They're not bad people. They're following the model that exists, and that is to keep the expenses as low as possible and to produce as many tons per acre. And if it, if they're lucky, they might stay in business, and they do it very efficiently. Grasp this concept. We produce food cheaper than any other country in the world. As it relates to our income, we produce food cheaper than any other country in the world, yet we have the highest health care in the world. There's a conundrum there, and the reality is that it's cheap food. And we're now paying the piper for that. A 3,000% increase in kidney, liver, heart, cancer disease, attention deficit disorder, autism, childhood obesity, allergy, diabetes. There's a correlation with the quality and the integrity of the food that we're growing or the lack thereof and the health or the lack thereof in our country. And yes. um, it's pretty scary. In the old days, a farmer's goals were always to leave the land in better condition for future generations. It's a great thought. It's something that we still embrace and support and try and do. But I think that regenerative agriculture really is more all-encompassing. The single greatest asset on our farm isn't land. It isn't tractors. It isn't greenhouses. It isn't equipment. It's people. And if we can't create a profitable business model so that we can pay team members, a competitive work wage, health care, sick days, vacation days, all the benefits that are an expected luxury today in America, then the good people are going to go someplace else. You know, there used to be a saying on the farm, if you can't make it the real world, at least you can go back and work on the farm. And it was pretty condescending. And I think that has to change. It is changing. The perspective of working on a farm is different. But regenerative agriculture takes in the people, the land, the environment, profitability, so much more. When I think of the word sustain, it's like you're hanging on to the chin-up bar and you're holding on, but you can feel your fingers slipping and it's all you can do to just hang on. You're sustaining, propping up, doing whatever you can to just hang on. Where regenerative is you're rebuilding and you're rebuilding the people, you're rebuilding the land, you're supporting the environment, you're doing all of those thing that you can possibly think of and integrate in to regenerate and to build, not just to hang on, but to grow for the future. 
And so I think that that, in my mind, that's really the difference between sustainable agriculture and regenerative agriculture. I love that. And what are some of those practices that are incorporated into regenerative farming for those who are unfamiliar? Yeah, for us, I think our big focus is the soil, right? Because we know soil health is at the absolute key. And J.I. Rodale said, essentially, healthy soil equals healthy plants equals healthy people. And you can take it further and say a healthy planet, right? And so 98% of the calories we consume comes from the soil. And the other 2%, we should probably question what that is, right? Yes. <laughs> if it doesn't. So when it comes to regenerative agriculture, it's really about focusing in on soil health. And so that's using cover crops, crop rotation, minimizing tillage, using a lot of diversity, as we talked about earlier in what we're planting, and really focusing back on how do we keep that biodiversity in the soil so that we can grow the healthiest plants possible. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I read this, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard that the organic produce that was grown in the 50s compared to today's organic produce has 50% less nutrients than in the 50s because of the soil health and what hasn't been done, which brings me to my next question. How is organic farming different than regenerative farming? I think that, and Lee from Lee can jump in on this as well. I think both are very important and both have their own pros and cons. But I think as far as organic goes, it's telling you they're not using synthetic inputs. They can still use more natural ones. It doesn't necessarily tell you about what's going on with the soil or the farming practices per se. Also, organic means they're not using GMO seeds, which can also be very important. So regenerative, though, really applies a lot of the same practices, right? So we're really trying to minimize any sort of synthetic inputs as well. But we're having more of a focus on the soil, I would say. Farmer, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. We don't call ourselves organic. A lot of times we go beyond organic. We don't want to be limited or directed by rules or laws from the organic certification. There's a lot of politics involved and we choose not to be involved in that. I know that the organic group, the hardcore guys, Elliot Coleman, totally disagrees with the rules of organic today. We don't really want to get wrapped up in that. We believe that we're organic people are trying to do the right things just like we are. And it fundamentally comes back to the health of the soil. When we jokingly talk about going out to harvest vitamin D from the sunshine, people, I think, don't understand that there's so much more truth to that than really exists. What we're doing on the farm is doing lab analysis on the soil, finding out what those deficiencies are. What's really cool is that different types of plants will harvest different types of energy from the sun. It's our personal belief, and I don't want to speak for Dr. Amy, that God designed a system far superior to anything that we can fake out chemically or synthetically. We've really mucked it up in the last hundred years. And when we lost the family farm in the early 80s and started over, and we looked at why did the nutritional levels in the last hundred years go down 50 to 80% with all the knowledge, with all the technology, with all the know-how that we have in this world, did our nutritional levels go down? So we started looking back at agricultural books from a hundred years ago and really trying to work in harmony with nature rather than trying to outsmart it. So based on those deficiencies in the soil, we may plant clover, alfalfa, barley, buckwheat, rye, vetch, sedan grass. We have a 15 species planting. We're seeing numbers that are just blowing off the charts. Now, the USDA average is too low today, but we're seeing a lot of numbers that are 150 to 300 times higher than the USDA average. Wow. 
So it's exciting. Do we have it all figured out? Nope. For some reason, we haven't been able to figure out the selenium issue. So we don't have this all figured out. My dad used to have a saying that we have to continue to make mistakes at a faster rate than the competition. And he also said we do mistakes well. But it's really exciting to see that when we work in harmony with nature, harvest that sun's energy, we're even now, there's 50% of the acreage is committed to harvesting the sun's energy. Then the next year, we'll plant into there for the food we want to consume. Mm -hmm. But even in between the rows of tomatoes, and I saw it on kales and broccolis and Brussels sprouts this year, even between the rows, we're planting cover crops, which are harvesting energy, goes down through the roots, then the Brussels sprouts or those plants that we want to consume can pick that back up. It's so beautiful to see that symbiotic relationship working together. It just gives me, oh, the hair is standing on my arms. <laughs> it's so exciting to see how we can work in harmony with nature. It and really works. I think that's so true. And Part of what's going on with the inability of plants to take up the minerals that are in the soil, and that's why we're seeing that deficiency, is the lack or the death of the microbiome in the soil. And so by our current farming practices, the minerals are there in the soil. However, the microorganisms that make them available to the plants that work symbiotically with the plants, they aren't. And they're disrupted and not working at their full potential. And monocropping doesn't help that, nor does using sprays. So like glyphosate <laughs> binds up minerals in the soil, making them less available to the plant. So I think it's partially our practices, but it's not that necessarily the minerals aren't there. It's really, they aren't available to the plants. And so that's why it's so important to build the biology of the soil. I love the biology that. biology is not there mm -hmm. to break that food down into a form that the plant can pick it up. Well, you're definitely doing what you're meant to do, Farmer Jones. I love the excitement in your voice. <laughs> you definitely have a great purpose in really making food fun and interesting and really nutritious for those of us who are consuming it. And I, you shared something about the labels and the USDA organic and all those things. And I completely agree. I go to farmer's markets and when I speak to the local farmers, they may not say they're organic because you have to have a certain certification and you have to pay for that and all of this. But they said, I don't use these sprays. You can tell also when you're looking at their produce, the difference besides just going to the grocery store and buying something. So what are some tips or what are some things that you could recommend to individuals who are going locally to say a farmer's market and they're not sure what to ask the local farmers as far as how to make sure they're getting the great quality produce that you're producing at your farm? I'll jump in there. I would never want to say anything that would be negative towards these other small family farms. I think that having conversations with them about their practices, and I think that the people that are trying to do it the right way are passionate as well about the way that they're farming and the results that they're seeing. Are they using cover crops? What practices are they doing? The Roundup issues and the chemical issues, those companies told farmers for years that when it hit the earth's surface, that it dissipated. And it ties back to what Amy was just talking about, that biology, the levels of biology just are non-existent when you're using monoculture practices. Proof is in the pudding. I'm sure that you're in Colorado, but we've all read about the Great Lakes issues and the wonderful crops of algal bloom that were growing in the lakes, causing a lot of problems. Because those foods, those fertilizers, those synthetic fertilizers can't be broken down into a form that the plant can pick it up. Consequently, the nutritional level is going down, but then it's running off into the creeks, the tributaries, the rivers, and then into the lakes. And we have all this algal bloom problem. So 
it's very evident to see is the result of what's going on. But I think one, making sure that you are talking to a farmer, there are situations in farm markets where people are buying and reselling to try and build a profit. But I would say that if you're going to true farmers markets, these people are proud. They're picking and harvesting the products themselves. I don't think that anybody that's trying to do the right things are going to be defensive. They're going to embrace I love it when people come to our farm. We opened a farm market in the middle of COVID to be able to make our product available to our community and pivot it to a nationwide home delivery. We were selling only to restaurants and they were dead in the water. So we opened a home delivery so folks could get the products. People are more savvy. They're more interested. They're more tuned in and aware of where the food's coming from, who's growing it, how they're growing it, how those people on those farms are being taken care of. That's really critical. And I think that if you go to a farmer's market and you engage in the conversation and they embrace that conversation, you know that you're talking to somebody that really cares. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. I think that's great advice. And it's just building that community of like-minded people and finding people who are really passionate about what they do and who are caring for the land. And one of the things we talk about is we're farming not only for people today, but for future generations. And I think that's really important to consider. That's great. And you mentioned something earlier in the show, and I'm just curious because I have a small little hydroponic garden indoors for the wintertime. Jimmy and I grow some microgreens and we do some lettuces and things like that and herbs that I like to throw into my recipes. And so hydroponic, what is the nutrient value difference between that versus what you do in regenerative farming? Because I would need to pivot maybe if it doesn't have the (laughs) nutrient value that I think it does. That's a great question. We haven't studied that extensively itself. We haven't compared. One thing I will say is that being in the soil, I think there is some benefit to that. When you're growing hydroponically, everything's coming from the water, all of the nutrients. You don't necessarily have the biology, but I don't know of any actual studies looking at them head to head for nutrient value. Farmer Jones, any thoughts on that? I think that early on, even before you were here, that they did some because we were really looking at that. You know what? Here's what we should do is let's send you five pounds of our Mm -hmm. soil and you can do your own experiment I'd love that. And I think we were even making some of that available online. Did we, or was that just in the spring? Jamie's researching it right now, looking at doing kind of a home grow kit. Okay. I would love that just to see the differences. I can do a blog on it too, just so that people see side by side. It'd be fun experiment. Yeah. But yeah. From a bigger scale, E. coli has been that thing that's really been scary. Of course, animal manures can cause issues with E. coli. And so there's been a concern with that. And that's where we've had some differences of opinion with organic versus inorganic because the water is a great carrier of E. coli. And when you're doing it on a bigger scale, let's just say hypothetically that grandma has been not well for several months. She's finally feeling better. You plan for several years a trip to Disney. Then you go to Disney and E. coli, maybe it's been around since the beginning of time. And we've had the immune system to defend against it. Her system is compromised. And now you get a little bit of E. coli that doesn't bother the healthy body or yours and mine, if we're healthy, but somebody's body that's compromised, all of a sudden that E. coli can really be an effect. So to be able to guarantee a healthy product, that E. coli is really uh, an issue for us. So, I mean, it all kind of weaves together. I mean, it used to be on the farm that everybody had a cistern. You collected the runoff from the roofs and it went into a cistern and you drank that water. It's full of E. coli but we seem to be healthy enough to defend against it. Now we chlorinate the water. Why do we do that to kill the E. coli? 
we're the most sterile environment in the world and we're the most vulnerable environment in the yes. world. Yes. You mm-hmm. never hear of an E. coli outbreak in Mexico, but we can't go down there and drink the water. So it all weaves together nutrition and food safety and E. coli and any one of these could be a whole topic of conversation for an hour. Yes. We'll have to have you back on to talk about that. Dr. Amy, you share that one of your primary goals is for the farmer to become part of the health and wellness team. How do you see that happening? Yeah, I think it's really about building connection and community and working together collaboratively within the healthcare system, but also within the farming system, right? Like the agricultural system and the healthcare system have a lot of the same problems, but we also have a lot of strengths. And we ultimately have the goal of helping to improve health. And so I think bringing together these passionate regenerative farmers or organic farmers, people who are doing this work along with healthcare providers who are looking to provide more than a prescription. And so people who understand that food can be medicine. And so how do we bring these groups together to really provide that food, the quality that they're looking for? Farmer Lee always says like a carrot is not a carrot is not a carrot. And so how do you provide that really high quality to the healthcare teams to help support patients? And so I think food as medicine is foundational to human health. Soil is human health, but also looking at how do we get to a point where like our HSA dollars, maybe those could be spent on vegetables. I think advocating for those sorts of changes where fundamentally we change our spending habits and for the healthcare system to actually recognize the importance of food by changing what they're serving in hospitals. I think anyone who stayed in a hospital for a night or more has experienced hospital food. And to me, that fundamentally shows that at this point, we don't necessarily see that connection between health and the healing potential of food in the healthcare system. And so that's what we really hope to change. I think I say this and a lot of others do too, no amount of supplements or medications will make up for a poor diet. And that's fundamentally what I believe. My undergraduates in nutrition, and I went into pharmacy knowing that food is foundational to health. And I hoped that as a pharmacist, I would be able to help people come off of chronic medications where possible by using food as medicine in a healing sense. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's where we can also work together with you all at the Chef's Garden. We just released a video series, I Have Cancer, Now What? And in the series, there's a video section on how to build your support team. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that I mention in there is having people that can help you when you're going through a cancering process. Sometimes people don't know what to do and how they can help. One way that we mention is by buying organic and great quality produce that can be delivered to the patient's home and that they can make juices with or their meals with. And I'm going to definitely put a link to to the chef's garden in this podcast, but I'm going to also add it to that video series because that is just such a great gift that someone can give to a patient going through cancer to have really great quality produce. So I love that you are working towards building this bridge between individuals who are wanting to get well and those who are providing that for individuals. Thank you so much. And I think we feel so honored to be able to be in that capacity, to serve in that capacity. For me, this is a dream come true. I worked in specialty pharmacy and talked with patients who were just newly diagnosed with cancer about oral chemotherapy. And there are so many questions around what do I eat? What's okay? What's not okay? I just found out it's a wave of emotion. And so 
I think to have food available, food is something that connects all of us. I think it meets our basic human needs, right? But so much more. There's so many emotional connections from food as well. I think nourishment comes on a lot of levels. So to be able to be there for people in these times is really just important to us. Yeah, we appreciate all that you both do because like you said, food is medicine. And another aspect to the chef's garden and your farm is that you have a culinary vegetable institute. What is that? Can you share with us what that is? It certainly has evolved over time. We always felt like the relationship between the chef and the farmer, if the chef was equal to one and the farmer was equal to one, that combined synergy was the power of 10. And so we have normally about 600 visiting chefs a year. And it's a space where chefs could go into the fields, harvest product, come back, work in the kitchen with Chef Jamie and the culinary team at the Culinary Vegetable Institute. But it's really evolved over time into a place and a facility where we have meetings and coming together of minds of doctors that are looking for information and ideas and wanting to know what we're working on and us talking to them about how we can, as Dr. Amy talked about, bridging that gap. And of course, Jamie is constantly working on developing products that really, I think, meet the needs of the consumer today. And I really believe ultimately our end run is health and wellness. And that's where we're going to be able to do the most good for society. I think sometimes there's an association with eating healthy and it being bland or being <laughs> not fun or not exciting and regimented like a diet. But it can also be good and good for you and exciting. And I think that's really where their world is evolving towards. What it started out as and where it is today are so drastically different. But we still have visiting chefs and we love having our chefs. We, in the middle of COVID, converted to an Airbnb. We have folks that are really wanting to know more about this connection and they can come and stay. Jamie prepares amazing meals that are like 95% done and they get to finish them off and cook them. They can add on to farm tours or a honeybee experience. Incredible. We've evolved and you have to continue to change with the times or the times leave you behind. I've never been more excited about agriculture than I am today and all that's going to come in the future. I visualize that doctors are going to be prescribing fresh vegetables instead of chemical drugs. And it's exciting. It's happening. Vegetable conferences that we've gone to for years are now nearly 50% filled with doctors. When they went through school, it was all Western culture because it was driven by the pharmaceutical companies. And there was very little time spent on this part of it. And I think that it's really exciting to see them circling back and saying, wait a minute, what was before Western culture? Food. I can remember my grandfather pulling bark from a tree and creating a concoction for me for a sore throat. It wasn't penicillin. It wasn't moxicillin. Now we're overloaded with it that they're not even prescribing it anymore. One of the things I love about having Chef Jamie on staff, too, and bringing together like the farmer, the chef, the healthcare fields, we're able to design products or come up with products that really serve multiple needs. And so we did a collaboration between ourselves, the Chef's Garden, and Wake Robin, and we did this fermentation collaboration. So we're coming out with sauerkraut and fermented hot sauce and pickles that are naturally fermented. And so being able to help 
drive the creation of products that taste amazing, but also are really beneficial for health has been so fun. As someone newer to this area or newer to this organization, it's a dream come true, to be honest, to be able to work with Chef Jamie and come up with these products. We've been working on developing teas. We did a root vegetable tea that actually helps with digestive health. So it has inulin in there, which is really good to feed bacteria with a prebiotic fiber that helps feed the gut microbiome. And even the tea after it's brewed, you can use the spent tea and put it in risotto or make it into crackers with some almond flour. So the whole entire tea is useful and nothing goes to waste, which is really fun. Wow. That's incredible. I can't wait to try it. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that our time has already come to an end. But before we sign off, is there anything that you would love to add about regenerative farming that I haven't asked you yet? Again, I would go back to watch Kiss the Ground. I think that it talks about us having 60 harvests left. I think that there's some fear mongering in that. Yet I think that there's a lot of truth to it. It's a concern. When you see the number of occurrences in health issues and the nutritional levels going the wrong way, the erosion, we have to take a hold of this. And it's not the farmer's problem and it's not the doctor's problem. It's all of our opportunity to be able to do better. And how do we fix this? We do it a bite at a time. And we're grateful to be on today and talk over a wide variety of things. And we just appreciate the work that you're doing and all the good that you're doing for so many people. And we're just truly honored to be on the show with you today. And we look forward to a visit from you. Yeah, yes. I'll be there. I'm looking Absolutely. forward to yeah, that VRBO. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say just really quick, the one takeaway I would leave people with is that the concept of whole food bioactivity or like the innate wisdom of the whole. And we know that phytonutrients, when they're consumed in a supplement, like by themselves, do not have nearly the same effect as when you're able to eat whole foods. And so really coming back to a whole foods-based diet grown in healthy soil and getting to know your farmer and building that community. Yeah. It just relates even in the sense of our bodies and taking care of it that we have to look at it as a whole and mm -hmm. not just one aspect of it. The physical, the emotional, the spiritual side, it all plays into our health. And we can't just focus on one aspect and think that we're going to be healthy. So the same with what you're saying with eating the rainbow. It's to really have a good nutrient-dense, healthy diet, you need to eat variety and the colorful vegetables that are out there. So thank you for that takeaway. Really appreciate it. And thank you again, both for being on the show. And we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Eat your veggies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support our podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Be sure to visit BelieveBig.org to access the show notes and discover our bonus content. Thanks again and keep believing big.